Thank you. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Christ City Church. How are you doing? Feeling good? Yeah? All right, good. I'll take it. Man, I, I like that. Thank you. Hey, listen, my name is Matthew uh, Watson. I serve as uh, one of the pastors here at Christ City. Um, it's a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, it's just uh, to come together to remember uh, God's promises and God's love towards us and for us to consider the uh, implications that that has on our lives and, and on our living, on our weeks ahead. Um, I want to start off, I want to ask you, I want to ask you this question, a uh, rather obvious one, but um, I, this is what I came up with to get started. Um, have you ever had uh, to make a big decision in your life? Revolutionary question, right? Yeah? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah, in the back's like, man, I don't know. I don't, you know, not sure. A decision that you felt like was going to impact the future for you in some way or had some, like, influence on the upcoming season of your life. I know some of your stories, and you're like, yo, bro, like, why are you telling my business right here? Um, Lisa and I, we, uh, we, <laughs> we had to go car shopping yesterday. I know. We had, uh, we've had the same cars since, like, the 90s. We just don't buy cars, <laughs> really. Um, we were in a fender bender a couple of months ago. It wasn't a big deal, but after some wrangling with the insurance company, they sort of totaled our car, and so now we're on the hunt for a new one. And this feels like a big decision for us, because like I said, we haven't made it since, you know, I think kids came along. I don't, I don't know when we bought our cars, but um, now I do realize, like, it's kind of a privileged position to even be able to kind of get a car that fits your family, and, but even still, it's a lot of money. And, um, and there's going to be a car note for us, just to be honest. Um, and it's probably going to be a car that, like, leads us <laughs> into the next millennium, given our history with cars. So how do we, like, how do we make a decision like this, right? Like, how, like, is it just, like, color? Is it size? Like, power windows? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm making decisions about moon roofs. And, you know, I don't know how to do this, you know? Like, so how do I make these kind of decisions that I think are going to sort of influence and impact my life in some small way over the next several years? Like, do I take, like, safety into account or, like, gas mileage, you know, my preference? Like, what color do I want, you know? Like, I'm Googling, what's the best color for a car? <laughs> uh, you know, I, how do I make these decisions? And does this decision even matter? Like, in the grand scheme of things, just get a car, you know, whatever, probably not like beige interior because, you know, we can be a messy bunch sometimes. And does God have anything to say about what kind of car I should have? Does he have anything to say about the decisions that I make? Does God care what I drive or what kind of house I live in, or what city I live in, or what job I take, what relationships I cultivate, or ones that I end? How do we go about making these decisions about things that will shape our futures, even in small or small-ish ways? Does God have anything to say to me when I come to a fork in the road? Or as Yogi Berra says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> and this is the question that we want to spend the next few weeks kind of wrestling with and wrangling with, and reflecting on. Today we're going to start a new series, a new sermon series that we've entitled, How Do I Know? Discerning God's leading in times of change. How do I know? And listen, I just want to say that we, uh, the pastors and staff, as we were praying about this series, we immediately recognized that this sermon series titled Similarities to the 1985 Whitney Houston classic, <laughs> How Will I Know? 
The song where Whitney wonders with us, how will I know if he really loves me? And not to get ahead of ourselves, but she also recognizes the power of prayer and discernment. I say a prayer with every heartbeat. I'm asking you what you know about these things. I could probably preach just from St. Whitney's words, but later in the series, Pastor Justin's going to explore discernment in the context of relationships. I'm going to let him mine the gold found in St. Whitney's words. But what I do want to do today is to kind of set a direction. Or maybe better said, begin setting a lens through which we might be able to understand discernment and um, how it is that we approach an answer to the question of God's direction or God's will or God's guiding in our lives on any number of issues, whether they be vocational direction or relationships, romantic or familiar or platonic, God's will over where we should live and how we should live, God's will for your money or even things as mundane as what used car we should buy. As the teaching team was, was praying and planning for this series, we, noticed, we noted that sometimes God's will and direction for your life, it can feel like a, like a riddle to solve or like some code you got to decipher. But what if discerning God's direction for your life is far simpler than we actually imagined? In this series, what I want us to explores a topic of discernment so that we might gain deeper wisdom into the wide open lives that the spirit has for us we want to consider the possibility of discerning uh, god's direction for our lives and well, i think in more liberating ways than maybe we have even imagined before i think oftentimes when we um, talk about god's will for our lives we we think of God's will much, uh, in much the same way that we think of like a, like a will for a family or wills in general, like a last will and testament of an ancestor or a family member who's recently passed away. Uh, when uh, you come together with sort of other um, family members and you're there and the, there's a reading of the will, a will, and it designates kind of a set of actions and directions that the remaining heirs are to take, kind of a divvying up of where the assets are to go and what to do with the things that the ancestors have left us. And so the will is read, and it's very prescribed, and you read that will, it's very like detailed, and it's specific, and it's final, and it's unchangeable. It's one time for all time at a set time. Like sometimes when we begin to imagine God's will for our lives, or trying to discern God's direction in one direction or another, like sometimes we think of it like, like a will like that. We think of God's will for our lives as specific, as one time for all time, and we can miss it, or we can choose wrong. There's like a lot of pressure about discerning God's will. One of the content creators I follow on Instagram, this is sort of, a, I feel like I'm disclosing something to you now, um, is, uh, is a guy named Devin Palmer. Um, he makes these short films, he, films, it's, if, if there's not films, it's on TikTok. Like, I don't know what do you call that. Make sure TikToks. Uh, and they're, you know, they're short scenes. He writes them and then he acts them. He plays all the characters in them. Um, and they're funny and they're silly, but also they're kind of thoughtful sometimes. Sometimes. Um, and thinking about kind of the unhelpful ways that we can imagine discerning God's will, uh, there's one of them that stood out to me. So uh, take a look. When we're, when we're faced with like a decision, right, or a set of opportunities, 
that are in front of us. We're trying to, to, to discern, you know, like God's direction. I think I can feel like this sometimes, right? <laughs> I guess things you sort of stumble, you know, we just sort of stumble in this decision. Like, oh my God, like I gotta figure out, like, is it this way or that way? And then, you know, to quote the skit, it's like, it's a one-time thing. It's probably not gonna happen again. Oh, crap. I don't know, should I get the maroon or should I get the white? Like, I don't know. What color car? Do I need the seventh row? But I wonder if there's another image that actually might be more in keeping with an understanding of God and God's will that isn't finite, but it's expansive. That isn't a secret, though it may have some mystery to it. That isn't about getting it right so much as it is about getting life with God in the midst of all the choices that are available to us. Years ago, um, I was a mentor uh, to a couple of kiddos. This was before Lisa and I um, had children of our own. They were named Thomas and Michael. Um, and they were great kids. They would stop by my office. Uh, man, it felt like every day sometimes, to be honest with you. I'm like, guys, I can't just, you know, can we schedule something? And they're like, yeah, how about today and every day? Um, they would show up like multiple times a week. And most of the time that they would come by, they would just like skateboard in the parking lot of the office. And they would come and they would do their homework in the conference room that, they, that we had. And then they would like just do artwork on random pieces of copy paper that we had. And then they would make massive amounts of copies of their artwork on our office industrial size copier uh, and pass them out to my colleagues. Um, I would make a deal with them. And I said, listen, you know, when your report cards come out, if you make good grades, I'll, uh, I'll take you to a restaurant of your choice. They were like, great. And they always picked the same restaurant. And it was, a matter of fact, it was the same restaurant for their birthdays, for any kind of holidays, anything we wanted to celebrate. It was this one restaurant. And that restaurant was Hometown Buffet. They always wanted to go to Hometown Buffet. It didn't matter what it was because Hometown Buffet was an all-you-could-eat buffet. And for these sixth graders, that meant all you could cook. So uh, we would always go. They would get, like, the chicken tenders, mashed potatoes, like, baked fish, mac and cheese, like, Salisbury steak, green beans, and dessert. And the kicker at Hometown Buffet is they had an all-you-could-eat soft-serve ice cream. So these guys just loaded up and just kept going back. So Hometown Buffet was their place. Now, what would it look like if on that day report cards come out, they come up, they're like, hey, Watson, look, look what I got. I got these grades. I'm like, hey, man, these are solid grades. I mean, there's a couple of them probably need to tighten up, but hey, we'll still go to Hometown Buffet. What would it look like? I take these guys to Hometown Buffet. We walk in after working hard and getting good grades and working hard to learn and to make themselves proud, to make their moms proud, to make me proud. If I walk into Hometown Buffet and I look at them, I say, okay, guys, listen up. A lot of stuff in here to eat. There's only one thing I want you to eat. One thing that's good for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Hope you can find it. <laughs> Proud of you. Good luck. Go get it. What would that? You say, you're not a good mentor. That's terrible. I think sometimes we approach God in discernment and like, as though God is like that. Here's this wild and wonderful world that is available to you. And there's one thing that if you want to follow me, it means you say yes to this. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You've got to figure it out. Find the decoder ring, like flip through scriptures, open up random ones, and maybe that will point you in a direction. But what if instead God says to you, no, listen, I am proud of you, and I do love you, and you don't need luck because you have me. 
right? This imagination is just not in keeping with the character and nature of God. It's not reflective of God's love and God's generosity and his lavish delight over you saints. Yet so often we approach the choices in our lives and the decision points in our lives as though they are mazes or like trap doors that rather than extravagant spreads prepared for us by our Heavenly Father who looks at us and says, this world, this life is yours because I love you. Now, look, don't take this metaphor as license to make selfish choices or believe that all your choices are good for you. That's not true either. If you're lactose intolerant and you rock up in hometown buffet, you probably want to steer clear of the mac and cheese and the banana pudding. I got my buddy David. He's, he's allergic to avocados. He'd best stay away from the guacamole, even though it's on, on the buffet line, right? Not all of your choices are good for you. But if we are faced with decisions about our future, decisions that have weight to them, even if we're having to decide between really good options like meatloaf or baked fish, D.C. or San Francisco to move forward in the relationship or let it go. What's the filter or lens that we can use to, to help us with that? Something to keep in mind about discernment as we discern God's will, and, and I realize I've used that word and, and haven't defined it. Discernment is simply this, listening to the Spirit in order to know what may be faithful directions, plural, faithful directions for your life in order that you might know and follow God more deeply. Listening to the Spirit's leading. Discernment about decisions in our lives, the big ones and small ones, they, they actually provide us with an opportunity to know God more intimately. That's the aim of discernment. When we, when we seek God's face, when we seek the mind of Christ in all things, in all decisions of importance and impact, what we get isn't so much a clear decision. What is on the other side of the discernment isn't clarity about choice A or choice B, though that may well come. What is on the other side of discernment is God and God's love for us. So if there's any lens by which we can use to discern, it's this. Is there a decision that will lead me into greater relationship with Jesus? When weighing decision points, we do well to consider, is there one of these choices or directions, even when both are good and honoring, is there one wherein I can imagine a deepening growth with God and in God's kingdom? Well, one of these directions leads to a deepened faith and a deepened living out of that faith. When viewed in this way, discernment isn't just a decision point any more than God's will is a singular decision. Rather, discernment is both an act and a life lived. If on the other side of discerning is God and God's love, well, maybe it's God and God's love that can help us on this side of any decision that we're making as well. The Anchor Verse for the series is, uh, is a passage out of the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Proverbs is what's known as a, as a wisdom book in uh, the Bible, and particularly in the Old Testament. There are five wisdom books in the Old Testament. Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, which we'll do a, a sermon series on later this year, Song of Solomon, and, and Proverbs. The wisdom books, they're, they're, they're books that uh, provide insight into uh, the human struggle, into the realities that we face in this life, real-life experiences, and how to live well. They're often ethical in nature, and they often provide reflections on how to live well in the world and with others and with the Lord. 
Proverbs 3, when we come to it, it provides a measure of insight into how to discern, how to judge the ways in which we should go. The chapter opens as one might imagine a tender parent speaking to their children, encouraging them and admonishing them. Verse 3, the author says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. The author's talking about love and faithfulness towards God. He's, he's commending the hearer to cling fast to one's love of God and to cling fast to the love that God has for them. Remaining true and steadfast, remaining faithful to that love. Let that love, God's love, be your guide in life. Proverbs 3, 5, which if you've spent any time in Sunday school growing up, you probably had to memorize this verse. I didn't, and so I didn't. I'm going to learn it as an adult, not that I'm mad, I'm just how it worked out in my life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the one who loves you and who will guide you and has your best interest in mind. Trust in the one who knows you best and loves you most. Honestly, though, this can be easier said than done. I've been walking with a friend. We'll call him Tyler. It's not his real name. Uh, Tyler is just heartbroken. Uh, he had some hopes dashed recently, and he's just got it. Um, each phone call uh, with him is filled with tears and with questions of why and how come and, you know, what do I do now and did I miss my one and only opportunity? One of our conversations, he said to me, look, I, I'm just not sure that I can actually trust God with my life. I'm not sure that God has my best interest in mind. And I listened. I cried with him. I said, listen, man, as much as I'm able, I understand. And then I reminded him of times past when God did come through, when God did prove trustworthy, when God did make good on God's plans to prosper him and to offer healing and to make him whole and lead him towards flourishing times when God's timing seemed off, yet always on time. I reminded him that he could trust in the Lord with his heart, all of his heart, provided testimony to that end. I think this is why stories like what we heard last week become so important in our lives. That's why my most important question is crucial to our shared life as a church, to wrestle with the parts of life and of faith and to remember as much as we're able that God does come through on God's promises, reminders that we can trust the Lord with our hearts. The author goes on in verse 6, and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Other translations of this verse says, in all your ways acknowledge him or Always let him lead you. It's an invitation for us to submit our plans to God, to, to trust God and God's ways with our lives. I was talking with Lisa um, earlier this week about a grant proposal that she's working on and how a racy matrix uh, could help. Anybody know, you guys know what a racy matrix? Yeah, some of you head nods, perfect. A lot of consultants in the room, appreciate you all. <laughs> um, it's, a <laughs> it's a management acrostic. Um, that stands for Responsible, Accountable, Consulted, and Informed. Um, it's like sort of levels of authority kind of given to a particular project. I'm sure some of you are like, he's mangling that. <laughs> Sorry, Grace. Um, 
It's like, who's, who's ultimately responsible for the outcomes? Who's accountable for executing the work? Who's to be consulted? Like, who do you, you know, get input from? And then just, who do you just tell, hey, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm just letting you know. Um, sometimes in our discernment process, I think we come to God and, like, we just let God, like, he's, he's just the I, right? Like, we tell God, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to know. You want to bless this, that'd be good. But this is the direction I'm going to go. I just want you to know, Yahweh. Like, we just kind of move forward. And maybe we'll consult, like, a little bit. Like, oh, what do you think? It's kind of what I'm leaning, but wanted to check in. Like, got any input for me? <laughs> maybe I'll take it. Maybe I'll go, well, you know, maybe leave that on the vine. There's no sense that God is actually responsible for our lives. That he's the one who, who actually holds the whole world in his hands, including our lives and our decisions. He is, after all, and there is safety and security and truth in that. Then the writer gives this assurance in verse 8. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Health, nourishment. It's a, it's a picture of flourishing, of wholeness, of, of whole life flourishing. The author is alerting us to uh, this truth that on the other side of discernment, on the other side of listening to the Spirit's leading, on the other side of discernment, what may be faithful directions for our lives so that we might know and follow God more deeply, on the other side of that is flourishing spiritually and physically and emotionally and relationally. And whenever we face a decision of weight and importance, when, when pressing into the Spirit for guidance, we can ask ourselves, what life awaits me on the other side of this decision or that one? Will flourishing be found there? Will my gifts, whether they be spiritual gifts or natural gifts, will they find expression in the land that resides on the other side of option A or option B? This is what is being held for us in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your body. Uh, a few weeks ago, I shared that, um, that at one time, Lisa and I, uh, along with our 10-month-old son, Nathan, sent the call to serve in Nigeria uh, with an AIDS foundation that was there. And what I didn't share is how we ended up there, how we discerned that direction. I won't go into all of the details, but I do want to share this piece of the story. One of the ways that we discerned was actually in community. We'd been thinking and praying about this decision and this direction uh, for a while, we'd taken a few shorter trips to Nigeria as a way to explore and to consider the invitation. We read and studied and we prayed and fasted. And then we gathered together um, a group of those that we had felt um, were, were our people. Um, it uh, was a mix of those that we lived in the neighborhood with and those that we went to church with, trusted friends, or one of our pastors. And they formed for us a discernment circle. They knew uh, what we were discerning and we invited them uh, in to discern with us. We asked them to pray for us. Um, and then one evening we invited, we called everyone together in our little house in downtown Fresno. And it was about 12 of us for an evening of discernment. Um, discernment circles, uh, as this is called, they're, um, they're more commonly practiced in like Anabaptist Christian traditions. And they're like prayer meetings where you ask a bunch of questions. 
Um, and ours was structured so that we had one of, the, one of our friends sort of led the circle, um, and led the gathering. We opened in silence, and then we prayed together. And then after praying, everyone in the group was allowed to ask us questions as they felt led. That's all you could do. You could only ask questions. Um, you couldn't give, like, your thoughts or your opinions, or well, this is what I think you ought to do. Like, there was none of that. You could only ask a Spirit-led question. And the belief was that the Spirit would actually lead us all, that the Spirit would guide all of us towards a measure of clarity around whether we should stay or whether we should go. And so we prayed. And then the questions came. And it was questions like, who do you intend to be? What promises are you making to the Lord, to yourselves, to each other? What promises are you keeping? What are you learning in this season of your life? What are you teaching? What's shaping you? To what are you committed? To whom are you committed? What makes you weep in these days? What legacy are you leaving? These questions just cascaded over our souls as we pressed into the Spirit to understand what it meant to love God and be loved by God. And Lisa and I, we answered them as best we could. The answers weren't to the group, really. It was more to us. And as the questions came, so too did clarity. Stay or to go both faithful and both options would be fruitful but we sensed that there was a greater opportunity for growth with Jesus if we were to go the evening ended with the leader of the discernment circle kind of breaking tradition they asked the group if they sensed the spirits leading one way or another and that night everyone in the group through tears said that they believed the spirit was leading us to close that chapter of our lives in Fresno and move to a new place seemed right to the Spirit and to them. Flash forward seven years. This time we're in Memphis, Tennessee. And we've reached an invitation to move to Washington, D.C. And again, even though we're older now and our family has grown, Lisa and I still held to the belief that our lives aren't only ours, but that they belong to the community as well. So again, we pull together a discernment circle. Elders from our church and pastors and those we felt on mission uh, with in Memphis, neighbors, but this time, at the end of the group, like they asked us questions. Uh, some were as thoughtful as the ones in Fresno, some weren't. Uh, but at the end of it, we didn't have clarity. Lisa and I came away going, man, that, didn't, that was different. <laughs> there were still questions. We didn't know. There were more question marks. But we were all committed to pray and to fast and continue to seek the Lord. Over the next month, as Lisa and I met with those that were praying for us and discerning with us, clarity emerged. Trust in God and God's ways firmed. Fear and anxiety receded into the background and an excitement and possibility moved to the front. And the Holy Spirit led through community. Well, this week, Watson celebrated our 10-year anniversary in Washington, D.C. I just, uh, there's no plans for us to pull together another discernment circle anytime soon, so I don't want to I don't know if y'all are like, oh, my God, where's it going? <laughs> it's not it. It's not the point of the stories. Wrapped up in these two stories of discernment, God illumined our passions, 
our training, our burdens, our giftedness, our experience, and spoke to us through a community about a direction. Had we made other choices, I firmly believe that God would have, would have been pleased with that decision as well. But there was clarity about what form flourishing could take on the other side of the decisions that we did make. Now, as I've shared before, when we made those decisions, when we said yes and walked through, you know, door number Nigeria or door number D.C., wasn't all like rainbows and unicorns on the other side of that. Didn't go well every time. Sometimes those roads were painful. But did we flourish? Yes. But sometimes not in the ways that we expected. And not in the timelines that we anticipated. In some instances, to be honest, church, flourishing didn't arrive for years. And in other instances, if I'm honest, flourishing seems still on the horizon in some areas. But on the other side of those decisions was a deeper walk with Jesus. A deepened faith in the God who moves mountains and a deepened trust in the God who is trustworthy. On the other side of discernment is God's love and God's embrace. And whatever decisions that you are facing this morning, you can rest in that. Let God's love for you and God's faithfulness to you be the thing that leads you through your discernment process and finds you on the other side because the buffet is open and wide. Let me pray for us.